Ball Smash Show. Nicholas Askew, director of swimming and diving and tennis here at Howard, our favorite school, the Boss Man Show at Howard Bison. Coach Askew, what is up, my man? How things up there in D.C., my brother? Boss Man, what's good, man? Thanks so much for having me, bro. Um, everything is cool up here. You know, we, we're uh, we're doing the best we can under the circumstances. It's a it's a crazy time in our world and at the university and in sport. But um, you know, we weren't we weren't built to break, baby. We're gonna we're gonna get through this. Coach, tell us how has COVID been managing two different sporting doctrines first and foremost. You know, and keeping everybody in line and safe because you no. Know, does the pool is somewhere you can kind of distance, and I don't know how the virus works, works in the water. Tennis court, definitely distance for sure. So I make sure the balls are not, you know, with stuff on the balls. So how has it been trying to manage, manage, manage your squads, keeping everybody in shape, knowing they got to do, do different stuff to stay in shape for each doctrine or sport that they have? Yeah, man, it, it, it hasn't been easy, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, trying to, to manage it with one sport is, is difficult, and then you just multiply that because, you know, having both programs. But um, the God honest truth is we've got incredible student athletes, you know, they're, they're, they're really determined to get through this. And that's something that, you know, is, is absolutely helping the situation. Um, number two is we've got an amazing, uh, support staff and coaching staff that is constantly trying to stay in contact, um, constantly trying to send information so that the athletes, no matter where they are, you know, for our swimmers and divers, you know, we've got people who haven't even been able to touch water since March. And, you know, swimming's a sport where you can't take a couple of day, couple months off and, and come back, you know, and, 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 and expect big things. You know, uh, you, you really have to be touching water and, and um, on a regular basis. Um, so what we've been able to do with them is, is continuing with our strength and conditioning staff to send them workouts to help, help them do something, you know, stay in some type of shape. Uh, on the tennis side, it's the same thing. We've got people who haven't really been able to get on the courts um for since march and april uh so we've been sending them workouts and sending you know sending everyone things that are going to help them when we are able to get back safely nope yeah coach, and that's coach. honestly it, it cut out a little bit i'm sorry are you, you good know, the, man? the big thing for us is, is making sure that in some way we come back better you know and that's what the support staff is really working on um and we're trying to make sure that our team is, is safe physically uh, and mentally, you know, because this is, again, this is really tough times that we're dealing with things that there is no playbook that we can yeah. go by, you know. You know, you can't just go and, and, and look and say, okay, this is how we manage this. We're, we're really trying to do the best we can in, in uh, managing it, uh, you know, day to day. Now, Coach, you are a dual sport athlete yourself. You was a swimmer, diver, and a tennis player. So tell me, Coach, how how was that as a kid trying to you know me i played basketball football tennis but you know you're swimming in tennis how was that as a kid trying to match those two different sports right there as, as a kid yeah um let me tell you my parents they were smart uh i'm the third of three boys had a, uh, i have two older brothers joe and mark and uh, we were we were we had a lot of energy and my parents recognized that. So they said, okay, look, let me tell you, we're going to put these boys in every activity we can find. And, you know, we're very blessed to have grown up, you know, just two blocks away from a recreational center that had a track, tennis courts, um, Olympic-sized pool, playground. So literally that's where I spent most of my days. And, you know, whether it was organized, you know, playing ball or sports or it was unorganized pickup games, et cetera, that's what we did all day, every day. And um, my two 
sports really streamlined into swimming and tennis because those are the two that I had the most exposure to, um, had the most development for. Uh, and there's one, one, you know, my parents, they knew that swimming had to be one of the sports we had to be in because there's one thing for sure. Uh, after you swim, you're tired. <laughs> yes. So there was no time or space for foolishness. You know, once we got home, you know, both my parents were super hard workers. My mom was a nurse. So when she got home, you know, she, she, she had given a lot at work. So we, we needed to make sure that, uh, or they needed to make sure that, you know, between the three boys, uh, the house wasn't too torn down and, and that, you know, we didn't, we didn't cause too much ruckus uh, once she did get home. But uh, it, it was cool, you know, going through high school and, and really kind of getting into just those two sports and dedicating most of my time to, to those, um, you know, it was a lot. And I, I really attribute just some fantastic mentors and people who supported me um, growing up to be able to have the chance to go to Howard. Um, and, and to be able to swim for a Division One HBCU and to be able to play Division One tennis. Um, it, it was just amazing, and, uh, but it, it was time-consuming, let me tell you. Now, Coach, you, like you said, Coach, actually, you actually coach at your alma mater. How cool is that, man, actually be, uh, being a bison and lead the program that you played for, man. That's a, a one-of-a-lifetime kind of thing, man, because a lot of guys are going to get had the opportunity to actually lead the program that they played for. And and now you're in that position, and you get you represent the bison for anybody who wants to come. You were a bison. They can't say nothing about Howard because <laughs> you were the Howard bison. You know what it's all about. So how does that feel, man, representing your school like that, man, and leading them now? Yeah, I, I'm so proud um, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity, you know, that President Frederick and the athletic director and athletic department gave me the opportunity, you know, to be in this position to lead the next generation of college athletes, you know, at Howard. Uh, when I was here, um, you know, I, I didn't take it for granted whatsoever. I knew where we were. And, you know, of course, being uh, college age, I had my mind of how I would do things and how they would be differently, but never in my farthest mind did I ever think that I would be at, at some point in time uh, in the position to be the head coach and the director for both programs. Um, and it really came kind of funny. Uh, uh, you know, I talked about the program after graduation, et cetera, et cetera. And essentially they were like, okay, well, you know, we'll give you a chance to get, go in there and, and make the most out of it. And I was like, oh, okay. And uh, once I got the opportunity, you know, put together an amazing coaching staff and, I've had fantastic support from, you know, athletic director, Carrie Davis, our senior women's administrator, Amy Olson, you know, um, the, the, the office of student affairs. And it's been, a, it, it's been great. And um, that's, that's something that I talk to my recruits as well as our current athletes about my experience and how that I'm, I get the chance to be an empathetic coach because I literally swam in the same pool, right? I literally uh, played on the same courts. I, I, I studied in the same, um, uh, buildings on campus. I walk the walk, I talk the talk. So I also warn them. I'm like, so, you know, don't come with, you know, no, no craziness because, you know, I, I, I've been there. I've done that. I understand. Yes. You're going to tell me something. You better make it real good because I'm going to see right through it. That's how me and Coach Perrier feel about Tennessee State. We work with the Tennessee TSU. <laughs> so we feel like, we, hey, you can't tell nothing about John Merritt Boulevard that we don't already know. <laughs> you better come <laughs> correct. Don't come at all. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yo, yeah. You can't tell me nothing about no John Merritt, baby. You can't tell me nothing about that. I know about how that was went through. Mm -hmm. I know. I know the good, bad, ugly, and all the skeletons too. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Exactly. So when you walk through the door, you better have your story straight. 
because I'm going to see, you know, we're going we gonna to see right through it immediately. Like, okay, man, for real. All right, now tell me what really happened. <laughs> no doubt. Now, yeah. I know you recruit down my way in Atlanta a lot. So what about the city of Atlanta uh, attracts you to find talent for swimming and diving and tennis because of, you know, it's a diverse city. I'll count Atlanta. A lot of tennis players in Atlanta for sure. I know that. A lot of swimming, yeah. swimming pools here as well. A lot of things going on here. So what about the city of Atlanta uh, makes Howard a good fit for, for tennis players and divers and swimmers here? Yeah, I mean, for both sports, honestly, uh, the Atlanta metro area is a hotbed for talent. Um, you know, for both of my programs, I'm very adamant about making sure that our teams are a reflection of our campus community. So what that means to us is that the, the athletes have to, you know, most likely will be predominantly from the African diaspora. So any of the 67 countries from the continent of Africa, from the Caribbean, and obviously here within the United States, um, so being able to find black and brown people at, uh, in the metro, in the Atlanta metro area is definitely one of the hotbeds. Um, and, and I think that has a lot to do with the amazing coaching that goes on both on the tennis courts, as well as at, in the, um, at, at the swimming pools. Um, and it being, having so, so much space, you know, to be able to have so many different programs where there are more, uh, of the recruitable athletes that we're look, we're most aggressively looking for. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those coaches for, for all, for both tennis and swimming came from HBCUs, you know, and have a, uh, an, an association with HBCU. So, um, the Atlanta area knows the Howard brand very well. Um, so they're very, uh, keen to send their athletes to Howard to gain an amazing education, as well as to continue to go through their athletic endeavors. And, you know, for, for me, obviously, that's obviously swimming and diving and then tennis. Um, so we're excited about it. And we're excited about continuing to keep that pipeline super strong, you know, and, and seeing how many more of the athletes from the Atlanta area can come. I, you know, I, I don't know where, I don't know if there's, uh, there's some additional secret sauce down there in the ATL that that's leading to, you know, such phenomenal athletes, but, you know, we've definitely been the benefactor of seeing so many come down there. And, you know, we've had graduates from Howard, obviously, that, again, continue to really make the brand super strong. You know, the former mayor, Kasim Reed, former mayor, Andrew Young, uh, who, by the way, Andrew Young swam for Howard University when he was here in undergrad. Uh, and I, you know, I tell the, 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 the athletes from uh, that we're recruiting for swimming and diving that all the time. And when he comes to Howard, uh, we, we make sure that we get a chance to take the team to see him as well. Yes, most definitely. That's why I was, t I was telling all the coaches who come on the show from Howard, hey, I feel like D.C. is just like Atlanta up east because the city is kind of the same for the same kind of makeup, same kind of population, same kind of different things to do, e eateries, things. So it's a good place to go and kind of have a home feel but not being at home. Because it's the same thing right. at home up in D.C. as well. And also, but you might yeah, also yeah. you will meet people who can help you down the road, get a good job behind your name. People, people in the U.S. Senate, Congress, people in D.C. who have a lot of power. You can get an internship. You can get the Howard degree behind your name. You're set for the next 40 years of your life. So I tell yeah. all the time, hey, move to D.C. is not a bad thing. It will remind you of home, but not being at home. That's right. That's right. That's all right. I mean, there's so many similarities between the two cities. You know, I think, again, you know, as uh, D.C. being the nation's capital is such a melting pot, you know, it has so much diverse culture.
culture and experiences that are here within the city. And it's very similar to Atlanta. I love spending time, you know, down there, down in Atlanta and being able to see, you know, the, the amazing growth and going, you know, to the previous Olympic village and, and everything. And there's so many things that are different, but yet they give you that same vibe. What is your favorite thing about Atlanta, Coach? I ask you when you come here, what you do, the eateries. What, what, what do you love to do the most when you're, you're here in the ATL, man? Let me tell you, I, I'm a foodie. So uh, I love, I, I, <laughs> I'm originally from North Carolina. So I, I, I love soul food. Um, when I first went to my favorite place, and they've gone even more commercial now than they used to be. But when, I, when Zaxby's first opened up, you know, that was one of the places that I literally, uh, my very best, one of my very best friends from Howard, uh, he and his family live in, uh, in Atlanta area. And uh, when I was traveling and coaching, and I knew I had a layover in Atlanta, I'd make the layover so long that my boy would be able to bring me Zaxby's to the airport. <laughs> and we would, we would literally have the Zaxby's in the airport, and then we would go. And I know, you know, that's, that's that's not a uh, that's much more of a commercial space now. But when they first opened, man, it, it just I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good to me. I feel you, coach. I feel you, man. Let me this, man. You know, a lot of black people don't swim very well, so me included. So for a guy <laughs> like me in my thirties, others listening to the show, mm -hmm. how can we get involved in walking? So I think that sometimes us we don't really get in the water. Like when I go to the beach. I might put my feet in the water, but I don't go. I, I ain't trying to get swept up. Like, I know if I go in too far, I'm, I'm done. So, so, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, how do yeah. we, as a, and we in the mid-30s, 40s, 50s, and, and try to get lessons and find places that will get help us get over our fear of the water? You know, I'm so glad you asked, brother, because that's one of the things that I'm very passionate about, being the only HBCU that has a Division One program. It's one of our missions to help more people of color get into the water and learn and learn how to swim for, for the biggest reason is that it's a life skill it's a skill that can truly save your life and there is no age that you can't start begin to learn how to swim um you know it, it's it's one of those things for for you i would encourage you and, and your peers learn to swim to break the cycle because if you have a fear of it and you have kids or your peers have kids you're more likely going to instill that fear into them and and if you're able to get in there and get in the water and learn how to swim then your children and your peers children are going to be more likely to want to learn how to swim um and and again in our community uh you know the the number one and number two um uh killer basically in our black community is hypertension diabetes heart disease hypertension diabetes so the top three right being in the water and having that and swimming is one of the greatest kind of uh ways to push that away, you know, to, to make that less likely to happen within our community. So there are extreme health benefits that our, our community in particular can really benefit from. And when you start to think about those three things, the health benefits, breaking that cycle, getting over the, the fear, uh, because it will, will save your life, then I think you, you'd be even more encouraged to do so. You know, the, about eight years ago, the statistics was 70% of, of African-Americans had limited or no swimming ability, right? In the, in, the la in the last five years, we've been able to bring that down to 65%. So we're making a difference. But again, that's, that's, far too, that's far too many that we truly can make a difference, you know, and bring that down to continue to bring that percentage down so that we can save lives both from being in the water as well as, you know, from those other um, uh, conditions that I spoke of. 
that coach on the tennis side, you know, I went to tennis camp as a kid. You know, the USTA gives gives people grants, but sometimes, like, you know, mm-hmm. it gets to the point where it's too expensive almost, you know, trying to get different rackets, yeah. you know, go travel to tournaments. You know, for me, I stopped at 10 years old. I still play. But how, how can we get more kids involved in tennis? Because tennis is what you play your whole life. And it's good for your, your yeah. heart, cardio, running back and forth, getting in shape. So how can we get more kids beyond that? outside the USTA pipeline, we can get more grassroots tennis organizations going so young men, women can learn tennis and not be stuck on the USTA who might pick and choose a certain age, okay? You you like, like you might develop, you might pop, and you know, rather than just being depending on this one big tent, but have our own grassroots in our communities to help young men and women learn to play tennis, like the women's sisters did as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think um, the biggest thing is is in each community, there are typically grassroots organizations, nonprofit organizations that are doing a tremendous job of being able to put rackets in young kids' hands and in families' hands, to be honest with you. Um, and so you definitely want to identify those in your local areas. In the Atlanta area, they're not hard to find. Um, the Atlanta area has one of the largest um, concentrations of tennis players, especially tennis players of, cult, of color, um, in the entire country. Uh, I believe the, the organization is called ALTA, um, yes. Atlanta Lawn and Tennis Association. So that's huge. Um, and then, you know, also researching the American Tennis Association, which is the, the nation's uh, oldest uh, tennis association in, in, in the country, um, and, and starting to really benefit from the resources that they have. Um, and the USTA is actually doing a much better job than they had been previously doing in past years of of being able to support organizations like that. I think it's far too long. People looked at the USTA to kind of be the savior and this is where I needed to go and have to go and they have to support me or, or they have to pick me. But now it's more of the USTA is really trying to give resources to these smaller organizations in order to support them because nobody can do it better than your, you know, your hometown or your home, your, your home folks. Um, so I, for, for the young ones that are continuing to come up, you know, to, to get involved with that, um, one of the biggest things I always promote for tennis especially is being a part of an organization where, you know, your friends are a part of it. You feel like it's a family atmosphere because you're going to, you know, it's, it's the sport of love. You know, you're, you're going to love going, you're going to love playing, but when you're, when you get involved and you're just doing lessons all the time you know that seems too much especially for a young one that's like work who wants to go and you know at 10 or 12 years old to a tennis lesson you know you want to go play that's what you know that's what kids want to do they want to play they want to compete um and that's more in those environments where you have uh those grassroots organizations to give them the opportunity to do that and of course if you're continuing to show talent then you can play the tournaments you know start getting your tournament count up to to compete you know, at that level. And obviously, um, you know, there, there's no one size fits all, but I think that will definitely help, you know, kind of the base. We have Donald Young here in Atlanta, of course, Chris Eubanks mm-hmm. from Georgia Tech, and T.R. Francis Tiafo um, from the DMV. How much does he yeah. come around you guys and help out your, your program? Well, you know, one of the things that we're building um, at Howard is we're trying to develop a, a deeper pipeline or a deeper connection with uh, the, the pro tennis players of color. Um, we feel like uh, this is Howard is a great place for them to be able to want to give back. Um, I think there's a sense, especially, you know, after everything that's gone on this summer, you know, that really kind of ignited with the, the killing of George Floyd. You know, every um, black athletes are feeling of a sense of, you know, what else can I do? And ten- black tennis players are, are no different than that. And, and one of the things we want to be able to 
provide and be a, a place for them as an HBCU um, playing a predominantly white sport is be able to have them have an opportunity to give back um, and to, you know, to, to talk with our team and to speak with the team and not just them, but also the coaches that work with them. Um, I think that's, it, it's a win-win situation for obviously our program as well as, you know, for the, for the tennis players. So we're really excited about that. Francis Tiafo obviously is, is from, you know, the DMV. I uh, got a chance to, to watch him really develop here at the JTCC um, that's right here in Maryland and um, super excited about his successes and what he's doing. So um, looking forward to, obviously he would be one of the first ones that we would look to be able to, you know, connect with to, you know, to spend some time with the team. And then of course, obviously Chris Eubanks, um, Taylor Townsend, Donald Young, you know, et cetera, are, are great as well and, and welcome, you know, to be able to come back. Yes, and Coach, you know, I'm actually about training the guys on tennis court. Do you train train on, on the hard, true green clay, the red clay, or you just do on, on some medium-paced <laughs> hard courts? How, how is it going for you guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, college, uh, college tennis is predominantly played on the hard court. So, you know, when we train and we compete, it's, it's on the hard courts. Um, a lot of the, the surfaces, a lot of times where we get a chance to be on different surfaces, like red clay or even hard true, is going to be in our off-season. Um, and that's a time where we, you know, we're really truly working on a lot of development um, because, you know, the clay, as you know, you're, you're a former tennis player. You, you got good tennis knowledge. You know, it, it takes a lot more de yes. point development or uh, um, shot selection in order to win points on the clay. So, you know, that's great for, for grinding and, and training and, and working on um, different components of your of your game. Uh, but when we get into uh, collegiate play, it's, it's on the hard um, predominantly. And, um, so that's, that's what we, that's what we have at Howard. Um, we've got the eight outdoor courts that we, we train and we compete on. And then we also go over to Washington tennis and education foundation, um, uh, to, to train for indoors. Um, and those are slightly different because indoors a little bit, uh, depending on which indoor, it could be a lot faster, but it's a, a faster surface. Um, you know, in the outdoors, you also have obviously the different conditions that you have to contend with. Um, in addition to, you know, your opponent. I love Atlanta. I can go play on the hard true. I can go play on some, a slow outdoor court. <laughs> I can play for the medium pace. Yeah. Some, some, some of these indoor the coaches are playing slower, though. They're playing slower, man. I'm like, it's helps yeah. me out a lot there. It's the slower it is, the better I am. <laughs> so, you know, so, I need to be a little bit slower for me, man. So, yeah, I play a little slower. Yeah. I'm good. I need time for, for these. Give wind me a little up. bit more time. I need to wind up my, my, my top speed, man. My, hey, coach, I yeah, got yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I use the James Blake backhand. I try to do two hands, man. I say, man, I'm terrible with two hands stuff. I go to one hand. <laughs> so I had to go to the James Blake one hand backhand, man. I can't do the two hands no more, man. Love it, love it, love it. That means your footwork's got to be on point. Hey, I'm going for broke every time, brother. <laughs> <laughs> forehand, I'm, I'm afraid I'll be good with the forehand rally, but the backhand, I'm going for broke, man. <laughs> I'm going to just go for yeah. broke. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So I'm gonna, it, it's going to end one way or the other. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> kick, sir, forehand, or backhand, corner, I'm going for broke. <laughs> I'm going for that. Go. I don't care. I'm just going for <laughs> <laughs> I know I can't stay in the rally with you. <laughs> I, I, need get, I need to give you a slice back, Cam. So you give me a slice, I'll be okay. But I don't have yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I don't have it, yet, Coach. <laughs> I got you. I got you. You get on that. You get on that clay. It'll it'll help you develop. That's you know those, those defensive skills and that slice going to come around because you're going to want to be. You're going to have a chance of staying that point a little bit more.
No doubt. Coach, tell us this. How can my listeners help both of your programs at Howard? How can they donate to your program, help your programs, make sure that we can send more people in ATL up your way to help your program grow and be prosperous, man, going these years to come here, man? Yeah, the, the two biggest things is one, um, for us, it's, it's about exposure. You know, again, being in Olympic sports, you know, swimming and, and tennis, we don't get the, the same type of exposure as, you know, football and basketball. No, not to them whatsoever, but, you know, we understand where we are. So continuing to follow us on social media, continue, continuing to follow us on hubison.com. Um, that's, that's huge, being able to share it with a friend, talk, you know, uh, tweet it, post it, uh, you know, and everything that you can potentially do over the Internet is, is huge for us. Uh, because being able to be out in front, representation matters. You know, one of the reasons why we were seeing such an uptick in minorities participating in the sport of tennis is because of individuals like the Williams sisters, right? The same thing goes for in swimming, individuals like Maritza McClendon, Cullen Jones, and Simone Manuel, who won the Olympic gold in the previous Olympics. Um, that's huge. So exposure and, uh, definitely helps our program. The second thing is, is contributing, you know, especially in these times of COVID, we've seen the two sports that are getting cut the most right now are swimming and diving and tennis. And that's a scary thought, um, you know, for, for anyone who loves both of those sports. And so being able to contribute financially, and this is a difficult time. So we understand, you know, that the, the, the contributions may not necessarily be coming in as large or as, 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 uh, as plentiful, but every, every dollar counts, um, you know, going to hubison.com and, and contributing to our bison, um, our Bison Blue Fund uh, and using the designation of swimming and diving or designation of tennis absolutely goes directly to our program to be able to help support and make sure that our team has everything that they need in order to be successful. Oh, that coach, ask you, thank you for your time. Today's been fun talking some swimming and diving tennis with you, man, because, <laughs> hey, man, it's been fun. Hopefully you can get on the court with you one day. You can give me a little lesson about this like slice backhand, man. Get me, get me straight, man, so I cannot have to go broke every backhand I get, man, where I feel like I'm out of the point, man. <laughs> Hey, man, let me tell you, as soon as uh, things are safe for us to travel and everything, I'll definitely be down in the Atlanta area, and I I'll glad to get on the court with you. Just got to make sure you bring me some Zaxby's. I shall. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> I got you done, man. Cool. This is Coach Askew on the Boston Man Show with Higher Bison Room Diving Coach. And tennis coach, check them out at bison.com. Help them out. Don't today, people. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.